This podcast is not to be used as medical advice or medical education. If you are experiencing pain, discomfort, or any other medical or physical ailment, please consult a licensed medical doctor or physical therapist. This is the strategy of fitness. This week with microphones and headphones, the Strategy of Fitness Podcast, Episode 3. Dan and Rob, what's going on? How are you boys? Doing great, man. Doing pretty well. How about you? Doing good. I'm excited. This is this is slowly crept into like the top three best parts of my week. I'm not sure how pathetic that is, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll find out. So, you know, before we jump into the to the heavy stuff, Dan, I think you got some feedback this week and that the Maybe you did too as well, Rob, and, and then we want to hear about that comp, Dan. Yeah, so first we'll get to the feedback. I mean, everyone, thank you very, very much for listening. The feedback's been awesome, super positive, except for Griff, who decided to just blast us with just about everything. So shout out to Griff for the negativity, giving us some stuff to work on. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Thanks, Griff. We appreciate all the listeners. Even if what you have to say is some things to improve upon, we're happy to happy to help and happy to listen. But yeah, couldn't be more excited with the feedback and the positivity we'll be getting from the first couple episodes. And if you want me to get to it, I'll kind of start to break down this competition. Is there anything you'd like to add, Nick? Yeah, I mean, real quickly, I, I think it's awesome when we, like, I, I know a couple of our buddies reached out and mentioned some of the workouts we brought up last week. That's awesome. So you guys, like, text us, message us on Instagram, whatever. Really cool to hear live feedback and, you know, kind of taking what we're saying week to week and applying it. I know we had some RDL conversations, Dan, that was pretty cool. And, you know, we can, we can show tips on how to do things. I'm probably not the person to do that, but Rob and Dan definitely are. And then of course the hook grip conversation. I know, I know I got about 10 messages about that. Um, Also anyone listening, please subscribe, like all that stuff. We have like nine, five star ratings. That's amazing. I don't know. I don't even know who the nine people are. So very cool. Yeah. I guess Dan, how was last week, man? Uh, it was pretty rough. So Sunday, I did the Linda. It wound up being a modified Linda. So it was uh, the competition we talked about where it was 1 to 15. Did it with some good friends. Shout out to my partners, uh, Dan Parker and Rich. They did an awesome job. Rich was killing the bench press. Dan did great on the bench too. So I guess where I struggled in that, like we talked about, was the bench press doing it at 185. I got 17 reps in in about 9 to 10 minutes. And then failed about six times in a row and everyone just kind of put their heads together like we're just going to drop the weight on you so i just i did the deadlifts at 225 which was the comp weight and the squat cleans at 135 and i got through like i said 17 reps of the bench and then dropped the weight down to 115 which was just how they had the, the weight set up so it was actually a lot of fun it was for a great cause and you know we had a blast i definitely didn't cheer for the other team told them all to go straight to hell so that was good thanks for the tip there nick and kind of modified it out, but we had a we had a great time, man. Thanks for asking. And you know, it goes back to what we were saying is there was a point there where the the load was just completely 
out of proportion with what I was capable of. And, you know, I think the person was spotting and my teammates made a great call to just kind of drop the weight and we ought to blast. Yeah, so I think that the big feedback from this or that we're looking for from you is if you were going to do like the traditional Linda workout itself. So that's the bench, deadlift, squat cleans. You do 10 reps of each all the way down to one. And then we, if you were going to use those same weights again, like, can you, can you give us a time frame when you retry that workout and, and some like personal goals you have to improve your performance? Great question. So yeah, a hundred percent. I just had a kind of epiphany just working on bench again and just kind of playing with some different rep schemes and, and, and just kind of getting under the bar again. And I made, it goes back to what I've learned and what I've kind of known about fitness for a long time is those first gains that you make. So people always talk about when they start lifting again and first going to the gym, those first six months, you make these amazing gains in strength. And the gains aren't in strength and hypertrophy, as we know. What the gains are is more that neuromotor, just kind of that brain-body connection. That's where your true gains are coming from. So I actually realized that I came on pretty quick with the bench and only gave it like a month, just working bench once a week. So made made it pretty far. So we're looking at 55 reps, or I think somewhere around that when you go 10 to 1. Nick, do you know that? Yeah, before you do that, jump back to the neuron motor piece because yeah, that's nothing to breeze over. It's very important, especially when people start plateauing. Absolutely. So when you start with the gym, I think the time frame is six months. Now, this might be a little bro sciencey because this goes back to like my kinese days in college. But when you start lifting, like let's say I'm a person I've never lifted before and I'm going to start lifting, I'm going to lift for that first six month period. You're going to see yourself just make amazing strides very, very quickly. And that's normal. But what you're not going to see is probably the change in your body right away. That kind of strength and hypertrophy comes later on after that four to six month period. So although you're making the gains in weight and the amount of weight you're being able to move, those gains are going to be more coming from that, what we call neuromotor or that brain to body connection versus the muscle changing its size in what we call hypertrophy, right? So the muscles aren't getting bigger. What's happening is your body is getting used to doing that movement, which is what I saw training for this. Rob, you want to you check me on that bro science? How are we? No, that's spot on. I mean, we could dive deeper into why the the neuro like muscular system becomes more efficient, but I don't think that's interesting to most people. It's just like practicing the movement, you're going to get stronger at it because your body's more efficient at it. This is the, the basis of it, spot on. Okay. And then the hypertrophy, what's the time frame there? Like six months is what I recall? Like after no, six so months, you're going to... A muscle fiber should hypertrophy in like six to eight weeks. So when you're making okay. gains like every couple of weeks, it's obviously not muscle fiber getting bigger. It's your improved ability to recruit that muscle fiber and utilize it. Do one of you guys have like a 15 second, what is hypertrophy? Because every time I read it, I say it a different way in my head. <laughs> <laughs> hypertrophy, hypertrophy. <laughs> that sounds like a, like an appetizer. So the, the strength coach I work with, the, the last strength coach I work with, I'd always say hypertrophy. I say hypertrophy. So it, mm-hmm. when, it, when it comes to this world, you just stick with your way of pronouncing it. And you, as long as you're confident, then it's right. <laughs> That's the world in a nutshell, bro. Yeah. Fake it till you make it. Got it. I was just like in practicing for that bench press. Like I was getting, you know, I went from that the 185 is like a two rep max up to like a four and five rep max, you know, my training. And it just made me think of that neuromotor connection and just kind of getting back under the bar again. So goal for Linda, I think that I'm going to probably test myself on Linda sometime in January. And I actually kind of want to keep working on bench because I think it relates, you know, and when we go back to all these crazy exercises and the fads and, and how fitness moves and we got CrossFit now, we have, you know, any number of fads or any number of powerlifting type schemes. What do we always go back to? We go back to lunges, squats, deadlifts, 
and bench press. I mean, pull-ups, push-ups, you know, kind of the stuff that we were talking about last week. So it is a bread and butter lift and it's going to translate to everything else like burpees or like the hand release push-ups I was doing today. So always looking at that as a, as a way to get better. And, and I think that I can, I mean, all the other weights are fine. I can move all the other weights. It's just the bench press. I just need to work on bench press and I should be, should, should be good with that workout. I think about like January. What do you think? Yeah, I think a good measure for this workout. So again, you're starting with a set of 10 on your bench press and you're working at 185 pounds, for example, and you said your full rep max is your, or your, your, yeah, 185 is your full rep max. So that's the max amount of weight you could do for a set of four. Yeah. So you can already see you're going to hit a wall pretty early on in that workout. So probably a good rule of thumb. If you were going to try this workout, that bench weight should probably be what, like your 10 rep max is. I don't, Nick, you have a little bit more experience in CrossFit, but you want to send the athlete up for success. So if you know rested, he can do 10 reps, at least he's going to be able to get through this workout in a, a reasonable amount of time besides failing really early on and kind of missing the whole intention of how, how that workout is programmed. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I would be even more conservative. I would probably go, what is it? That's 55 reps. So that 10 down the one ladder. So I would probably, you know, let's say your 10 rep max is 135. I'd probably start it at 115 because, you know, you can stay true to the percentages if you'd like on the deadlift and the squat clean. I also think the squat clean is a limiting factor. I was just kind of thinking about this. Like if I was to scale this to someone that just said, I want to, you know, get something out of this workout. I'd take the bench way down, keep the deadlift as close to one and a half percent body weight as possible if you're a decent deadlifter. And then it's either squat clean or front squats, right? Because ultimately, Dan, I'm sure you felt that in your legs. Squat clean is kind of a dynamic movement. I think those are the two, right? I think it's the squat clean and I think it's the, the bench press. The deadlift, you can do singles, you can break it up, whatever you need to do. Those are the two limiting factors in that workout from what I've seen. Yeah. I mean, for me though, I guess it's different for everyone. The squat clean, like there's just certain movements. I'm, I don't want to say I'm good at it, but it just makes sense to me. The bench press is something I've always been, you know, name a weight room, wherever I've been, college, high school, you know, after college, I've probably been one of the worst people at bench press. Um, I blame it on my build, but again, that's just me being just, just making excuses for myself. The bottom line is I'm just not very good at it and I need to get better at it. So, I mean, for me, squat clean loaded up, like as long as it's within some sort of reasonable range, I'm happy to bang out singles, you know, until the cows come home. When you do it, you said you do it like once a year, right, Rob? What's, what's the part that hangs you up? Is there anything in particular? So my background is coming more from the strength side. So I could do the deadlifts and the bench all day. And it's that aerobic side of the, the squat cleans that always hangs me up. And I'm a little bit heavier, so the weight gets pretty heavy in the, the workout. But for me, it's like it's a sub 30 minute workout is what I'm always trying to hit every year when I do it. I think we should also mention too that all three of us, me probably, I guess I'm probably a similar height to Nick, but all three of us range over, how tall are you, Rob? Like 6'3? Six, 6'2. Three? Six, two. Six, two, and then what's your height, Nick? I'm six on the dot. Yeah, and I'm right about there too. And really, like when we talk about these weights and the, the weights that Rob and Nick move, please understand these are pretty tall guys. You know, usually these workouts, I think that the powerlifting stuff is just so geared towards the shorter, the shorter athletes. So, I mean, I think the numbers you guys put up at your heights is something that's really underrated, especially you, both you guys are pretty long limb too. Yeah. But there's plenty of examples of tall guys out there that are so much stronger than me that I, I don't like to give myself any credit. Very <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> enough. Freaks out there. But I, I think to kind of put a, put a pin in, in this, Linda's an awesome workout 
if you're just trying to get in, you know, make it a 30 minute time cap, see how far you can get it, mess with the percentages. It's just, it's not CrossFit. It is just an all around, people call it the three bars of death, whatever you call it. It's badass. You get a pump, you're sweating. And, you know, in the end, you're like, man, I did a lot of stuff there in, let's say, 30 minutes. So uh, go out there and try it. Let us know how it goes. Totally agree, Nick. And I got to tell you, the testosterone in that room doing those weights was just just staggering. I mean, just all the meat you could ever ask for in that room, just a lot of sweat. Definitely get the T levels up with that workout. Yeah. So, so for those of us that, that aren't in a CrossFit gym, don't have all the barbells available, or if you're in a commercial gym and you don't have three bars you can set up for this workout, can we come up with like a, a recommendation for the, the everyday Joe to try this workout? So say you got bench available, maybe you could find a trap bar in the gym. How, how could you replace like the squat cleans and still get a good, good rendition or rendition of Linda on your own? Do those dumbbell. I did dumb. We did a running dumbbell squat clean and that, that put me out of commission for quite some time. I don't know about you. Those, those are brutal. What about the dumbbell squat clean? They're awful. Yeah. That's a really good question, Rob. I've never thought of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a good question. So you what get you your bench press set, make sure it's not on a Monday, bring the dumbbells next to your bench. Hopefully you could find a trap bar in your gym and you could, you could get this workout done. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly. I think the, if, if let's say you're, you're, you're deadlift centric and all you got is one bar, you don't have that trap bar, load up your, load up your deadlift bar, get a bench and get a couple sets of dumbbells and your dumbbells yeah. can be, you know, your, your bench press and they can be you know, a different weight for your, for your squat clean. So I like that. There's, there's always do. I've never, I've never heard that question posed. It's a really good question. I'm trying to keep you, give you guys like the non CrossFit perspective here. Cause not everybody has the, the access to the big box gym with, with space for days, commercial gyms, or I, I say we're 90% of people are training. So trying to keep it applicable yeah. to the masses. Where you were the, we had a kind of good discussion off air between the three of us. I mean, you guys are both big home gym people. So, I mean, w- w- it might be a different episode. We got to get into the home gym versus the CrossFit gym versus the commercial gym. So just kind of throwing that out there now oh, because you guys that, love your that's home season gym. Two, I, man. I, I, that's season two, <laughs> Dude, I, I love working out with both of you. I worked out at Nick's home gym. Rob's simply too far away. I don't visit him. But Nick's home gym is sick. And that's where the strategy of fitness open is going to be one day, I think. I can't wait. <laughs> no, but seriously, that, that's that's a conversation in itself, and we can talk okay. for days about about that. Right. But, um, I'm excited for that down the road. But I think Absolutely. today today today's message, or or I guess it's almost like I'm going to school for the first time in a long time. Uh, we're going to talk about energy systems, and we're going to deep dive PT style. So I I think I'll probably play moderator. I'll play the 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 common man. And, and you two are going to try to explain to me what the hell I've been trying to read about on the internet for the last six hours. So take it away, Rob. I think you're going to run with this. All right. And just to go kind of back to where we started the episode, like feedback from last week. So my wife finally listened to, to an episode and she, she has a good feedback for us. And she's in the profession. She's a strength coach. So her perspective is a little bit different. But her thing is explain this for like the lowest common denominator. So as we go into energy systems, I'm going to try, I don't want to get into any of the physiology. So Nick, your, your job is to keep me in check and, and Dan, same thing. So I have, I have phosphocreatine notes in here. I go as nuts as you want to, but I'm going to let you start because that's a great point. Okay. So energy systems itself, like what does that mean? So we're training our body to have energy to do different tasks depending on duration or intensity. So 
take, for example, I go to the grocery store, I get home, I get out of my car, like getting out of my car is going to take a certain amount of energy. And there's usually some energy within the muscle that I can accomplish that with. I get my groceries, carry them into the, over to the house. That's going to take more oxygen. That's where my body has to take an oxygen and create energy to sustain like a low intensity activity. And then say I live in an apartment, I got to climb three flights of stairs. Now oxygen can't sustain the effort that I need. It's a high resistance activity. So my body's got to tap into some other, other sources to create energy for that activity. And then when we look at gym training, there's different ways to target all these different systems to, op- to optimize those. Is that, does that give us like a good, a good start there? Does that make sense? Yeah. You, you explain that perfectly. Okay. Uh, I like it. Yeah. I think the gym stuff is going to, is going to resonate too. So let's give an example of the gym as well. Okay. So since we seem to be CrossFit centric here, think of the typical CrossFit class. You go in, warm up for a few minutes, you do your strength portion first. So you'll do some like heavy squats on a Monday that takes you 15, 20 minutes. And then the coach puts your circuit on the board for the, the end of the day. And it's like a 10 minute AMRAP. So AMRAP is as many rounds or reps as possible. So you're going to work straight as hard as you can for 10 minutes. Typically, this is going to stay on the anaerobic side of the curve. So we talk about going up the stairs. I can't sustain that activity with oxygen. So I tap into these other energy sources. So I would say the typical CrossFit workout is high intensity enough that it's not aerobically driven. My heart rate is going to be too high. The resistance on the exercises is too high where I need to use these non-aerobic means to sustain activity, which I'm not saying it's it's good or it's bad, but if I want to train for life and longevity, I think we need to respect the whole energy systems continuum. So this is not an original thought at all. I've heard this probably from a few different sources and kind of stole it as my own, but I think you can train for three different goals. That's that's the best kind is you just you just take from other people and just make it your own and, and act like just own it, Rob. You basically basically mess with this. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So this is totally, totally my idea here. So you can train for three different things. You can train for performance, you can train for aesthetics, or you can train for longevity. So take the performance side. I mean, that could be an elite level power lifter or going to be an elite like ultra marathoner. Those guys are going to focus on one side of the energy continuum because they're trying to optimize performance of one specific task. Now, I think us being a little bit older in our lives, we don't really care about performance. None of us are competitive enough in anything to be super focused on one aspect. So we want to train for longevity. I think the best way to be healthy in life is to train all aspects of that that continuum. Does that kind of make sense there? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I like that a lot. If I could just like, and again, this is just from my recent studies, would you mind if I give a little breakdown with some specific exercises too? Yeah. So I look at it very, very simply as, as there's two sides of the coin and there's different variants within these sides of the coin. One is short stuff, like dunking a basketball would be like the shortest activity you could do or doing a power clean would be like the shortest activity you could do. That's going to be our phosphocreatine. That's going to be our, our quick burst energy outlet. And then you add a little bit more distance, a little bit more time, anywhere from like that 10 to 120 seconds. You're going to go a little bit to the anaerobic side of the coin and then once you get past that and you go into like 5Ks, 10Ks, 20Ks, ultra marathons, marathons, all that, that's going to be your oxygen energy source. So if we could break it down very simply into like using a lot of oxygen and not using a lot of oxygen, the shorter and more intense the exercise is, probably the less oxygen we're going to be using. And then the longer and more intense, the longer the exercise lasts, and, and also you could say less intense, the more oxygen we're going to be using. Is that, are we still on the same page here? Yeah, absolutely. And there's 
again, these systems don't live in isolation. So the marathon runner, we always think is the aerobic athlete, but there's going to be times in a race where that guy either hits it or that guy or girl either hits a hill and has to tap into some anaerobic sources or at a finish line when they hit a sprint, there's going to, you need anaerobic energy production in that sport, but it's just primarily aerobic or with oxygen. Yeah, absolutely. So Nick, how are we doing? Where, where are you? No, I, I think I'm, I'm following this. I, I like the idea of, of kind of exemplifying it with, with specific exercises, but I, I think we're at, at kind of an everyday average Joe's level right now. So, so, so keep going. Okay. So if we go back to my CrossFit example, where I say we kind of live on this anaerobic side of the coin, there's some really important things that happen on the aerobic side when we train longer distance, lower intensity that I feel like is missed in the typical like CrossFit class. So when I train at a lower intensity, my heart rate is going to be lower, right? So when my heart fills with blood, it goes into the, so the heart's a big pump. The left ventricle is the last section of that pump the blood's in before it goes to the body. And if my heart rate is too high, that section can't fill with enough blood. So if my heart rate's a little lower, there's more time for that heart to fill. And what happens is that chamber actually gets bigger because I'm getting so much blood flow, heart rate's low enough that it's going to eccentrically get bigger or stretch out over time. So if we look at endurance athletes, they have a bigger left ventricle than your average person. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's blowing my mind, but other than that, it makes perfect sense. So, I mean, I, I get, let me ask you a, a practical question. So you do a minute on the assault bike as fast as you possibly can. What is that doing physiologically, I guess, to your heart? Like it, it's, what benefits, I, I, I don't want to hijack this, but I'm just trying to figure, I mean, I did it this today, this morning. So I'm just trying to figure out like, how is that reacting? How's my body reacting to that? Okay. So good, good question. So yeah. assault bike is going to be, think of it like a high resistance bike that you're using your arms and your legs on. And we're talking about something that's 60 seconds long. So the aerobic system is slow. It takes it a while to produce energy. So there's not going to be a much aerobic contribution to that activity. So Nick, your body's going to have to use some anaerobic means or means without oxygen to create energy. And the, the drawback there, I mean, it's great because it's fast, but the drawback is there's byproducts that are made in the muscle when that happens. So we all heard of like lactic acid. So all that is, is lactates created in the muscle when you do high intensity activity without oxygen. And the more that accumulates, you'll have some hydrogen ions in the muscle. And if that combines with the lactate, it creates this acid. That's going to take the pH in the muscle and drop it or make it more acidic. And it creates this burning, which one is super uncomfortable, but if you've ever been there before, and two, it makes it a lot harder for that muscle to contract. So that's why when you're doing a 60 second sprint, you can go out for 30 seconds blazing pretty hard. And then your legs just start locking up on you. It becomes too acidic. That muscle can't fire anymore. Holy shit. I mean, that 30 seconds was packed with so much knowledge that I could dive into. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't, I don't even know how to dissect that, but dissect the, the acidic part. <laughs> I'm trying not to sound like a dumbass here. <laughs> you're, you're, you're doing good. You're, you're, you're hanging in there, man. It's a, it's uh, a dude, I'm in a fight that I can't win here. I'm doing it for you guys. Break that down a little bit more simply. And if I'm taking you off of where you want to be, just tell me that and we can, we can, you know, recenter. No, I think we're, we're wherever you take it. I'm, I'm cool with going. So if we go back to that acidic part of the coin, so think about it. Like if I'm going to create energy to do this assault bike, 
I'm going to do it as hard as I can. I'm paying the price of accumulating acid in that muscle. The harder I work, the faster it's going to accumulate. But the more efficient I am aerobically, the aerobic system can clear that out of there and kind of like, I'm working really hard accumulating this, this burn in my muscle. But if my aerobic system has been really well trained with like the long, slow training sessions, it's going to be able to go in there. I'm going to get more blood flow. It's going to take those byproducts out of there and process it. Like lactate, when it's produced anaerobically, can go through a whole nother physiological process and be turned back into energy. But if I never train that system to work, like if I don't do the 45 to 60 minute workouts where I'm at like a 140 heart rate, my body's not efficient in that process. So once I lock up after that first effort on the assault bike, I'm never going to recover. So to me, like the really good athlete is the guy that can put out a, a really high effort for a minute in the assault bike, rest for two minutes and come back and do that for eight to 10 rounds. And we call that like a repeat sprint ability. Or you think about like field sport athletes, that's what they do. They're really efficient in recovering fast from those high intensity efforts because their aerobic system is really well trained. And the way you do that is by training for that 45 to 60 minute level. Cause these, these systems are operating concurrently throughout. So they're, they're all building off of each other. Correct. Exactly. They're always working together. It's just if I want to focus more on that aerobic system to make those aerobic changes, we talk about making the heart chambers bigger. We talk about making capillaries more dense, like getting blood flow better throughout the body. I have to train for a long time and it's really boring. Nobody wants to do it. This is like the just sit there and a a good, uh, like a number for people at home that are doing this. Everybody has a heart rate monitor now is just take 180 minus your, your age. And that should give you the upper threshold of what your heart rate should be when you do this training. So if you're 30 years old, 180 minus 30, 150 is your upper limit. And here's the thing, like people do. If you know me, you know, I'm always on the run up early and home late. So having a three hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because it was, I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process, so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash provengrit. Check it out. Go running and they think they're doing aerobic training, but... How many people do you know that can go run like a 5K with less than a 150 heart rate that are 30 years old? It's not not many. I know I can't do that. Oh, you want to keep it 180 minus your age. You want to keep it there for X amount of minutes. What are the minutes? Let's say 30 minutes is your minimum dose. Okay. And that's going to g- – okay, wow. That, that's well, pretty easy. Your, what's your heart rate? Uh, I guess mine was 138. I did two miles today. 138, how's that? Two that's miles. perfect. Okay, awesome. Yeah. But Dan, you're again, 
for you, you're a super efficient runner. I'm not an efficient runner. So if I, as soon as I get going like a mile in my heart rate's like 160, 170, I guess I, I got heavy legs or I'm a heavy runner or something. I, I like for me and what I find for most people is they can't do running in an aerobic state. It becomes more of an anaerobic activity. Interesting. Yeah. I, you know, Rob, can I piggyback off that with that article you sent me? Because I, I think, um, that's a, that was a really good explanation. I'm, I'm there. Nick, are you there? Yeah, this is awesome. You get, you're getting this. Okay. So I want to, Rob, can I cut in for a second? Please. All right. So Rob sent me this awesome article. I'll give a shout out to the uh, authors here, Scott Morrison and Patrick Ward. It's called energy system development and load management through the rehab and return to play process awesome article. And one of the things that I thought about, and this is really cool and it really relates to energy systems, is let's look at a football player, right? An offensive lineman. And and I think that one of the things that the fitness world and the physical therapy world does a great job of is taking the baby and just throwing it out with the bathwater. If you guys have heard that expression, like we take the next thing and we just toss everything we think we know out the window and then we just go on that route. So one of the things is with the, you know, CrossFit's, you know, obviously a part of this with the high intensity training, it's like the, 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 you know, at a certain point, I guess probably in the last 10 to 15 years, it's like, oh man, let's not, let's not do that long steady state cardio. Let's do this high intensity training. Let's do AMRAPs. Let's do EMOPs, which is awesome. And, and something I do every day and it's great. But again, we threw the baby out with the bathwater as far as long steady state cardio and what these authors present in this paper. Let's look at our example of a, of an offensive lineman. Let's think of your Jake Longs. Let's think of your, your, your big, big heavy dudes. And what they have to do is how long does a, a play last? An offensive play last is maybe uh, five to 10 seconds, right? So that would be our, you know, phosphocreatine injury system, right? That's where we're doing a short intensity burst. So most people's thought process, especially if we talk about the last couple of years is, well, let's like screw working on cardio. We don't need that. These people need that quick burst energy. But what these authors say is that, what was that return to sprint, Rob? What did you call that? That was return it's to sprint RSA or, or repeat sprint ability. Repeat sprintability, right? So the ability to hit that five to 10 second workout, recover, hit that five to 10 second workout, recover. So exactly what offensive linemen in football will be doing. So why would you put them on long steady state cardio? Well, here's what these authors present in their paper is that as those rounds go on, i.e. the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter, you use more of your aerobic system. You use more of that oxygen system that you're working on with the long steady state cardio. So Although it wouldn't make sense if you're looking to say everything has to be functional, everything has to be functional, let's never do long steady state cardio with these burst sprint athletes. What the research suggests is quite the contrary, where if you tap into that oxidative energy system, that low load, long duration, kind of long distance running, it's actually going to make your players recover better and sprint better and their high intensity maximal output will be better over a longer period of time, i.e. the fourth quarter when the game is really determined. It's really interesting. I, I mean, a, a whole episode that I wanted to talk about down the road was kind of training slow gets you in shape to train slow. That kind of tells me that, again, my caveman thinking isn't correct, but you're using that as a tool. You know, the, the person that's spending 60 minutes on the elliptical, maybe treadmill, whatever it is, how often do they mix it in? What does it have to look like? And, and I mean, can that look like a 30 minute run before your, your high intensity, your high intensity interval training? Uh, how do you suggest both of you guys like implementing that? So this, this all totally depends on your goals, your background. So 
when you talk about like uh, Hapthor Bjornsson, like he, there's really no need for like I don't see the benefit of him doing this super long distance cardio. Maybe doing some intervals where he gets some aerobic training, but his sport is strong, man. Where it's super high intensity, so he's performance based. I'm not as worried about it for him. But we're talking about the average listener. For us, we're worried about just long term health. The long term aerobic training kind of gets the heart and you're plumbing through the rest of your body healthy and strong. So that I mean that's training that should be done at least twice a week, I think is, is the proper dose for like your low intensity, long duration stuff. And it should kind of be on its own day where it's more of your recovery days. I mean, you can do it on a day that's heavy lifting, but for me, I like to think if it's a day where I'm going to go low intensity, I want my body to recover. That's when I'm going to do my long distance aerobic work. Yeah. I, I kind of like to mix it in like just cause my time is pretty limited. So if I'm at the gym, like today, I just, sh- I got to the gym early. It was a great day. Showed up early. Just ran, just hit a quick two miles. And, you know, like, like I said, keeping that 138 heart rate, probably should have done like three, but it was a pretty aggressive lifting day. And then we had a chest to bar program. So I just, I just kind of get it in when I can. If I have that extra 30 minutes, you know, I love to do, like, I'll just do something like get on the assault bike, try to maintain 10 calories a minute for 10 minutes or for, uh, for 30 minutes. Right. So Again, there's so many ways you could do it. I know I said walking, and I mean, that's probably a little bit on the low end for most of our listeners, but if you're just getting started with working out and that's where, you, where you're starting, hey, 60 minutes of walking your dog, I think, counts to, to work in that oxidative uh, energy system. It does, but you have to walk with intention, right? There's a difference between Absolutely. walking your dog Absolutely. and there's a difference between walking at like four miles an hour up a hill. That, that's aerobic work. Yeah. Definitely. Then again, it comes back down to checking your heart rate, right? Like uh, that, that again, we have some listeners who are, you know, obese and they're 250, 300 pounds and trying to make a lifestyle change. Again, it's all the heart rate doesn't lie. So if their heart rate's where we want it to be, you know, I think that's good. So next thing I wanted, I wanted to go into like some practical applications for this. I know we're talking like theory on energy systems, giving some examples of why we think it's important, but I want to give like the person at home, how do I do this on my own? So to give like a quick example, I think everybody is pretty familiar with a rowing machine. Most gyms have like a concept to rower. And the reason I like that is it, it has a display on there that gives you a lot of feedback. You can look at wattage, you can look at calories per minute, you can look at the pace, and it gives you an individualized way to program like your energy system training. So when I, I lecture on this topic to other PTs, I talk about finding max aerobic speed or MAS score. And you could do this for anybody that comes in your clinic or your gym and it takes a few minutes, like five to 10 minutes. It's a maximum effort test. And what that'll give me is the intensity that person can maintain with aerobic effort. So if we're going to use the rowers as an example, if I had Nick hop on there for 10 minutes and he gives me a nine out of 10 effort and he rows a thousand meters, I know that's, that's not what Nick would probably get triple that, but just for easy math, we know if he does a thousand meters in 10 minutes, his pace is a hundred meters a minute. And then I can program off that. If I want him to do more than 100 meters a minute, now we're getting into the anaerobic side. We're training high intensity. Or if I want him to do an aerobic-based workout, I'm going to say, okay, let's go like 10 to 20% below that speed, and we're going to work for longer duration. So that's an easy thing you can do. Whatever cardio equipment you have in your gym that gives you some kind of distance or power feedback, you can easily test yourself and program these workouts for yourself. All right, so Rob, these MAS numbers, again, what's that abbreviation mean and and what what do I do with them? How do I learn from them? So MAS is maximal aerobic speed. So what is the max intensity I can maintain with an aerobic effort or with using oxygen as my main energy source? So if I work 
faster than that speed or harder than intensity, I'm going to be focusing on the non-aerobic or non-oxygen supported energy systems. If I work at that speed or lower, I'm going to be more on the aerobic side training, that oxygen side of the coin that we talked about that's kind of neglected in like your typical CrossFit class. So what does that look like real life? So if I'm on that rower, I I did the the thousand meters in 10 minutes. I know I can do a hundred meters a minute at an aerobic intensity. If I wanted to go for just a 40 minute row, which is terrible, nobody wants to do that. But if I maintain like 90 meters a minute, now I'm hitting that aerobic goal that I was going for. If I want to do something high intensity and be on more the anaerobic side of the coin, now I need to maintain, let's say, 150 meters a second. So I'm doing 30-second intervals. I'm making sure I hit 75 meters in that 30 seconds. And then I give myself, let's say, a minute to a minute and a half to recover. And I'll do that for five to eight rounds. So my whole workout is like 10 to 15 minutes. So I'm training that higher intensity side of the coin. Nick, uh, Rob has some great graphics that you sent me. Rob, can we get those up on the Instagram so people can kind of follow along with that anaerobic versus aerobic? Or Nick, yeah, can you throw those up for us? When it comes out, the, the chart kind of gives you just basics for how long you should be working for, what percentage of the max aerobic speed you should be working for, and then it kind of correlates it to an RPE or your rating perceived exertion, like where you should be living in each of these workouts. Awesome. Yeah, I think that, that that'd be really helpful. I'll post those graphics. I think breaking it down the way you just did kind of simplified it in my mind and, and hopefully for the listeners as well. I never heard that until Rob, you know, kind of dropped that on me as we were preparing for the podcast. And I'm like, man, I, that makes so much sense to me. It's so easy to follow along with when you look at the info. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a more of a visual learner. So Rob just explained it great, but I just need to look at it. So we'll definitely have that up for people. So to wrap this up, like the, the energy system side of it, since like the number one question I always get from people that are getting into fitness or getting into to working out that, and I'm sure you guys get the same thing. The number one question is always like, what supplement can I take to, to maximize my gains, right? <laughs> so it's interesting. If we look at the energy system development, there's a, like a specific supplement for each little bucket that we were talking about. So creatine monohydrate is very popular. It's probably the most researched supplement out there. And Dan kept talking about the phosphatidine system. So there's energy available within your muscle cell to do high-intensity quick burst activity and to reconstitute that energy very quickly, you have phosphocreatine in the muscle and you notice creatine is like the root of that. So if I take creatine as a supplement, I have more of it available in my muscle so I can do more short, high intensity, typically like strength-based exercise for longer if I'm on a creatine supplement. If we go to the middle section where we talked about like the minute on the assault bike, we talk about buffering that acid that accumulates in your muscle to get perform for longer, perform at higher intensity. So you could take something like a, a sodium bicarbonate. Your, your stomach really doesn't handle it well if you take it in a high enough dose to actually take down the acidity in your muscles. So they actually have creams out there now. I can't speak to the efficacy of those. I haven't done a, a lit review to see if they're effective, but you can see how that, that kind of attacks it directly what the limiting factor is in the, that medium intensity zone. And then if we look at something like the aerobic side, um, if you guys have heard like beetroot powder, that's a, a, a nitrate. That's going to be a vasodilator. It's going to span all your blood, uh, blood vessels. So it's going to improve your performance on that aerobic side of the coin. So for all you meatheads out there, that gives you <laughs> supplements to, to, for each, each zone of the energy systems. Now, do I inject these things? Because I was just going to put it – I was going to mainline the uh, beet juice right, right in the carotid. There, there's a disclaimer on this, right? <laughs> My dumbass has heard from – this. I did a competition with a 
CrossFit or a regional CrossFit athlete. He made the games this year, actually. And he's like, look, anything quick, I take, I take creatine. Anything long, I, I just stuff myself with carbs. Is that like an oversimplification? Because I, I didn't hear anything about carbs there. No, I think nutrition is a whole nother thing. It's all, this is strictly supplements, but yeah, carbs are what's your ox. When you go through that energy system development, like your body is typically using carbohydrates or glucose to create that energy. It can use fatty acids, but for most high intensity athletes, you need carbs to create energy. You need, you need some kind of food. All right. I think that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. yeah that's the topic. nutrition thing can, can go on for hours. I'm sure. All right. So is that, is that wrap it up? Is that Give it, give us a, at least some kind of intro to energy systems. Yeah, I definitely learned something. That was great. Yeah, I think it was sick. I mean, I could, I could hear this forever. I learned so much in, in 35, 40, 40 minutes. So I think we can transition on from this to our next topic. And, and where, where are we, where are we going to be? I think, I think we're going to talk about our one piece of gym kit that you can't live without. Before I put before I bookmark this, please any questions specifically let us know. Again, Rob does not play on social media, but we will get all questions <laughs> answered by him. Do have direct access to him. Let's go around the room real quick. Dan, one piece of gym kit you can't live without. Actually, let's go with Rob first since he posed the question. Yeah, and I don't know what. Yeah, so so I kind of don't know what I'm going to say. So let me hear what Rob says, and I'm gonna, I'm going to go. So Rob, definitely go first. Glad to hear you prepared for the podcast, Dan. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the gym kit is. Are we talking about Premier League jerseys? Like I was like Tottenham, like six. Anything six, you can use, <laughs> like you bring to the gym with you, or you use in your workout qualifies. So for me, it's I don't know if you guys have seen these headphones. It's aftershocks like the trex air headphones they're bone conduction so they kind of wrap around your ears they don't go in the ear so for me whenever i go like running i like to have my ear open so i can hear traffic i run through the streets of baltimore so i like to be aware of my surroundings i listen to podcasts when i'm out of store so these headphones were like an absolute game changer they don't move i'm still aware of my surroundings and you get pretty good audio quality what, what's the brand they're uh, Aftershocks, Trex Air. So that, I'm sure there's other brands out there. They're bone conduction headphones, but they work more through vibrating through the, the bone behind your ear than actually going into the, the ear canal. That sounds awesome. What is the price on those? Say like 100 to 150 bucks. That's pretty reasonable compared to like the Beats being like 200, 300, you know? And Beats break after about uh, a week. These Aftershocks have been going strong for like a year and a half now. Yeah, that's that's really good duration considering how many beats I've been through. So, so good on you, Dan. What do you got? Um, I'm gonna go with something that I have in the clinic that I treat people with all the time, and that I also use at the gym. I actually did prepare a little bit for this. Was uh, a nice set of super bands. Now I have the luxury of having super bands both at work in my gym, so it's not technically in my bag. But I tell people to get them all the time. They're so great for so many mobility drills. They're awesome for a lot of warm up drills. I like like a banded shout out to Dave Lorenzo from my gym who introduced me to the banded good morning, which I think is like one of my favorite deadlift preps. And then just also doing some general shoulder stability and some hip mobility drills with the, uh, the super bands. You know, if you're starting out with pull-ups for a lot of gym goers, the assisted pull-ups, or even for some of the uh, people, you know, at our gym, they do the assisted push-ups with the super bands. So super bands, I don't think I could live without those. Love them. Nick, what do you got? By the way, Banded Good Mornings, Google those. those. Those are really good. Maybe you can do a what those are a quick Instagram video, Dan. I think I can do that. I can do that. Auxiliary exercise. What do you got, Rob? 
I said, what do you have? I want to hear Nick's next piece of gym kit. Man, you guys are going to probably call me pussies or something, but <laughs> look, I probably misunderstood this a little bit. I was thinking like one piece of gym equipment and I was going to, I was going to go to the kettlebell, but uh, no, I like that. Just, no, I mean that, that's to me the most, the most versatile piece of equipment. But when you said, put it in your gym bag, Again, this goes back to the first episode with the Hindu squats. If I see some douchebag walk in <laughs> a kettlebell in his in his damn gym bag, I'm gonna wait for him to sit down and then hit him with it. <laughs> so look, the that that to me is the most efficient piece of equipment that you can use. But if we're just gonna say gear that you can pack in your bag, again, it's gonna go back to you guys calling me pussies, but I'll probably go with the knee sleeves. <laughs> You know, I, I have five millimeter, I have seven millimeter. I, I, I switch out on them when I'm doing heavy squats. Five millimeter, obviously being thinner, that's better for your for your wads, your workouts of the day. Heavier lifts, I do the seven millimeter. You know, I just have kind of delicate knees to put it nicely. And I, I'm, I'm sure both of you guys are rolling your eyes right now, but... Um, hey, I'm a big proponent of knee sleeves. They they really okay. don't do much to support the knee joint, but they just feel good. They keep your joints warm. So if you're somebody that's got achy knees, I'm I'm all for some just neoprene knee sleeves. That's it, man. It's 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 the it's how quickly they warm me up, and that's my biggest difference. Is like they don't add strength. If you think you're putting them on to get a higher one rep max, that ain't happening. But it can get you to a heavier load quicker because you're just your ligaments and your knee is just, you're, you're warmed up quicker. So I'm glad that you guys aren't shaming me. So fair warning, if you're at the gym and it starts smelling like it reminds you of that middle school locker room smell and you see some dude wearing knee sleeves, it's definitely that guy. So if you get knee <laughs> sleeves, you have to regularly clean them, like probably once a week, I'd say. Oh, dude, you got to get three pairs and you got to stagger them. They're disgusting. I don't get to, I don't get to really have an opinion on that. I've never used knee sleeves, but I don't get to call people, you know, I can't really call you out on stuff when you can front squat, you know, 120 pounds more than me. So if you need <laughs> knee sleeves to, to do that, God bless, man. I got nothing to say. Negative. All right. So let's go. So it's, it's super bands, it's knee sleeves and I'm, I'm forgetting what, what's Bone conduction headphones. Just a, it's a common uh, one. Of course. The boner headphones. Yes. <laughs> okay. Got it. All right, boys. So, I mean, I think we're about to wrap this up. This is, I think, the best episode yet. Just tons of knowledge for anyone that wants to learn anything. Let's hit our hitters. Dan, you are, let's, Rob, you should probably start because you- I was going to say, you, we need Rob to start this off. Yeah, you typically start with one. Okay. This is a great one this week because it comes with a, a quick story. So, when I was in middle school, I used to wear a lot of a Wu-Tang clothes. I used to draw a W <laughs> on all of my books. And I never listened to any Wu-Tang. So <laughs> now that I'm a grown adult and I don't wear any Wu-Tang clothes, I've actually got a great appreciation for their, their value in a, in a workout. So the, the first track I'll give you is Wu-Tang Rules is an absolute gym hitter. Hell yeah, it is. <laughs> Dude, it's amazing. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, before we get too far into the gym hitters, one thing I didn't forgot to at the beginning, shout out to Dan Tabbitt at Liquid Studios. You can check him out on Instagram, Facebook, but he did the intro for us, which I think is really, really sick. And I absolutely love it. I got a lot of positive feedback. So again, he's a music producer. He also edits this podcast. Um, and he was working with a, a guitarist friend of his, Stu, who shredded that solo. So shout out to Liquid Studios and Dan Tabbitt before we get too far into the gym hitters. 
Yeah, good on you guys. Amazing music. Two or three people reached out to me. I was like, where'd you get that? Yeah. Well, we got we got the, the best of the best and nothing but the best for the listeners. All right, Dan, you want me to go or you? Uh, I want you to go. All right, my th- this is going to be a, a theme today for me, but I have three uh, duos. The first one is Giants by Banks and Steels. RZA, actually, and you know, the, from Wu Tang, is the rapper on this. I believe Steels is from Interpol. It's just a match made in heaven. High energy. RZA just absolutely screaming, really for no apparent reason. You know, Rob, you didn't give us a number on your last one. This is a solid seven four. If you if you are working out early in the morning and really just need to wake up, throw it on. Thank us later. Oh, Wu Tang Rules is an eight point nine. That's always in the rotation. Oh, wow. Shit, okay. Rob. okay. Wow. I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. So my first one. I don't know much about this dude, but I know he's from Philly. Uh, Lil Uzi Vert and Sanguine Paradise. I love Lil Uzi Vert. Like I said, I don't know anything about him. The last thing people want to listen to me is probably listen to is probably me talk about him. But this is a sick song. The thing I love about him, it is heavy, heavy beats with like this beautiful little piano melody and then some great lines. In reality, I'm five four, but I stand on my money. I'm six six. Just for that line alone, gets a gets a solid eight out of ten. I love this song. I can't say enough good things about it. <laughs> I love it. What, what was your What was your number? You said uh, I, I get. Did I say eight out of ten? Yeah, I, I don't. That's a ridiculous rating, but it's a ridiculous song. So eight out of ten. Wow, it holds up. Eight out of ten. Good on you, Rob. Do you have another one, or are you going right to your book? I'll let you guys finish up, and I'll save my book since everybody's waiting for that anyway. Yeah, of course. That's why they're here. So my next one, Southside, Common and Kanye. If you haven't heard the song in a while or ever, you're gonna love it. You know, it's it's like uh, Watch the Throne, the Jay-Z Kanye album before, you know, I think it, it's 2007 and it's just Kanye and Common going back and forth. Totally underrated. This is a classic for me. This is an 8-8. Somehow falls 0.1 per, you know, lower than, than Rob's Wu-Tang song, <laughs> but <laughs> I already had the number written down, so I, I can't change it. Love this song and I think you guys will too. Sweet. I, you know, two of the greatest, Common and Kanye, you know, for different reasons and much different artists, but two of the greatest for sure. I'm going to go, I, I can't believe it's taking me till week three, but we're going to go Van Halen and we're only going deep cuts on Van Halen. And this is the intro track to the Fair Warning album. It's called Mean Street. So Van Halen, Mean Street. This is a solid 9.6 and I do not give you a 9.6 wow. lightly if you've heard me. And I don't know what kind of people, what people are looking for, but the beauty of Van Halen, I think will people miss these days with music, especially when Rob was that terrible station, the Octane station you're talking about. <laughs> the, the worst. The worst. So really, like when you listen to Octane music, what you have is a very, very low beats per minute. Okay. So what Van Halen did and what a lot of the groups in the eighties did was they brought that beats per minute up to that 120 to 125 area. So when you listen to a song like Mean Street, the groove is a little faster than your today shitty metal. So Van Halen Mean Street is an absolute, absolute heater. The solo, one of Eddie's best, my favorite guitarist of all time, maybe my favorite band of all time. So Van Halen, Mean Street, check it out. Nick, you're up. All right. My last one is, it's kind of a duo song, but is it the the Menzingers? The Menzingers, yeah. Is that the band? The Menzingers, yeah. Yeah, that band you turned me on to last year, probably around this time. I was consumed by them. It's kind of like some old school fall, not even, no, it's more Taken Back Sunday, brand new stuff. They have these two songs in succession. It's on the impossible past and then nice things they they bleed right into each other it's it's perfection like it's it's a nine and a half it is just absolute just utopia for me i i love it it's a little dark 
but the way they play off each other, the, the first part of the song or the first song kind of tells a story. It's very slow. And then it, it ramps up as it bleeds into the next one. Dan, I can't thank you enough for telling me about these guys. That whole album's amazing. But if you can somehow link those two in the Spotify playlist together, it's basically six six minutes of, of you know peak peak music performance. Yeah, I'll definitely put them together. I guess the the, the question is if somebody if, if people are in the playlist and they're trying to listen to it on shuffle, they're going to get they might get advice. That's going to be a problem. It might be a problem. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about how we're going to add that in, but. Great, great, uh, great band. My cousin Joey Rudeau turned me on to the men's gear. Shout out to Joey. Awesome band. Probably one of my favorite, like, traditional rock bands going. Yeah. And uh, great songs there. So my, my yeah, last absolutely. one, this is, this is uh, what I give uh, Mean Street. Was that a 9.7 I said or 9.8? Yeah, I think you said nine something seven. absurd. We're going to go another 9.7. I'm going to give you the rating. This is the best Eminem song to work out to, in my opinion. And that's saying a lot because he's got a lot of heaters. Cold Wind Blows from the recovery album. This song is just so aggressive and so mean and so savage. It, it, it'll get your blood pumping at any at any capacity. I thought for sure you were going to say Cinderella, man, but Cold Wind Blows is an underrated banger. Dude. Cold Wind Blows is is one of my favorite gym songs of all time. So I, I, I'm coming with it this week. If you guys hate these songs and I've gotten some feedback, then you, you hate America and you hate freedom. So maybe you should find another podcast. It's simple as that. <laughs> Rob, give us a book. So I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I did get a backyard workout in last night and I, I listened to the the SOF playlist on Spotify and I'm putting myself out there on this one, but I, just, I don't get the Post Malone thing. That really uh, threw a wrench in my workout, kind of depressed me when I saw his video pop up in the background of Spotify as I'm trying to, trying to get some presses in. <laughs> People have been reaching out to me. That's my biggest criticism. Like, oh, you, you love that guy. You ride him so hard. Like, He's the only musician out there that really matters these days. So I feel like everybody, I thought I was going to be alone on that one. So I'm glad to hear I'm not the only one that no, they're out there. There's, there's some haters out there for sure. I, well, I mean, so much of what we're putting out there is high tempo stuff. And you put in some auto tune guy, you know, just kind of running his mouth for six or seven <laughs> minutes. Yeah. I can see what they mean, but I mean, it's a mood. It's kind of a feel, you know, maybe I need to look up the definition of a gym banger. Maybe I don't know what it is. Your picks so far are good. I mean, I like your picks. All right. All right. So book of the week, I kept the theme going with the, the topic of this episode. So energy systems was a book that came out like a year and a half, two years ago called Endure by Alex Hutchinson. So the book was written about Nike trying to break the two hour barrier in the marathon. So Hutchinson goes through all these experts and we look at like some of the physical constraints and more importantly, the mental constraints on performance. So it's a it's an awesome book just looking at human physiology. They kind of dive deep into the the central governor theory, which is a whole nother side of energy systems we didn't talk about today. But the reason you don't see people collapsing on the finish line of a marathon is your brain only lets you push so hard. So how do you train your brain to let your body work harder? And this book kind of gets into that stuff as well. So that's a book that I've gone through twice. And that's a absolute must read if you're, you're interested in this topic. What's it called again? Endure by Alex Hutchinson. Some David Goggins shit. That's cool. No, it's more, uh, more sciencey than Goggins. No, I believe me. I know. I I'm sure there's. <laughs> yeah, I got that. That's a that's a book that's been on my list for a while. You've hit me with two books, Rob, that I just feel kind of stupid for not reading. So I got to get my act together and stop reading um, Stephen King novels. Yeah, and I'm just sure. curious. Like that, I like reading Stephen King novels. They're awesome. So I got to maybe read something that'll help me in my profession. 
Well, awesome, guys. I think uh, I think that wraps it up for this week. Again, thanks, everyone, for listening, subscribing, rating, reviewing, telling your friends about it, following our Instagram page. Next week, Rob's going to be out. We're going to talk a little bit about the CrossFit Open, and I, I think we have some other little surprises for you guys. I do want to give a quick shout-out to Rusty Mayer, who's running, or running, cycling, and swimming the Cambridge Ironman tomorrow saturday which is psychotic boys you have anything on the way out uh, good, uh, good luck is it, what's his name rusty rusty, rusty. so rusty uh good luck tomorrow or was it tomorrow and hope you crush it yeah go just don't go too far off the reservation next week please <laughs> yeah we'll we'll, we'll we'll rein it in we'll wait for you just i feel uh, like rob is like the dad of the pot like the like like dad's gone yeah and we're just gonna we're just if gonna we, go full on do anything too stupid if we do anything too stupid, too crossfit he's, he's going to be pissed at us and tell us about it in our text group. <laughs> I, I got too many text groups, man. I got two frat chains and I got the T, uh, the TSF, man. I'm struggling to keep up. It's great though. I love it. I love keeping in contact with all my friends. Well, thank God our kids aren't old enough to text yet. We'd be really, we'd, we'd, be, we'd, we'd be hacked as I, we say in our household. We don't say that for it anymore. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, this has been great. Thank you for the education, guys. Thank you. Awesome job, guys.